there. I'm Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. What I'm going to do here is take a step back to 1988, specifically Thursday the 7th of January 1988, to Lancashire's Fylde Coast, at a time when it was famed for the quality of its winter jumbo cod fishing. On the evening before the day in question, the inshore forecast was given as good, the tide was big and high water was around midday, so everything looked set for a decent shot at some big cod. I remember this particular Thursday very well myself, as I was in Southport further down the coast that morning for a meeting I couldn't get out of, and obviously I was kicking myself that I would be missing out on a good crack at the fish. But when I came out of that meeting just before lunchtime, it was like stepping into another world. The wind was howling, trees were waving about and litter was quite literally swirling around everywhere. I remember thinking to myself at the time how glad I was that I hadn't dragged the boat over to Cleveley's. Then I thought no more about it and just headed for home. It was only later when I switched on the TV for the early evening news that the full impact of what had happened actually began to unfold. As I expected, small boats had gone out, and in particular a group of three from Blackpool South Shore Club. But sadly... They didn't make it back. With me here today is Mick Riley, the sole survivor of that tragedy. It must be hard for you, Mick, to put yourself back into the mindset of that particular trip, especially as you lost friends that day. But let's start by going back a little further in time to the evening before. You're checking the weather forecast, you're making preparations for an early morning start. What exactly were those preparations? I rung Dougie and Ted up out. Dougie, and he said, yeah, it was fine. So we run, checked out Coast Guard, uh, and then we looked at paper and everybody, everybody said it was going to be a fine day, there were a few boats going out. So morning come, and then we uh, looked Coast Guard up again, and that's where he said uh, it's going to be a fine day, but just what, there's, a, there's a forecast coming in later in the afternoon, around about three or four. And I said, oh, we'll be back by then. And I said, that's fair enough then, we'll just keep an eye on it. Went met, like a mill pond when we got there. There was only us going out from Squares Gate, but they were probably from your club. There were two or three boats out there as well. We're talking about a situation probably more than 20 years ago. So can you describe the kind of boats that we had back then and the safety gear being carried? Because obviously the boats were a lot different shapes, a lot smaller engines, a yeah, lot smaller Yeah, it, it was a D-John, mine was. Uh, no radio, but had flares, life jackets, all the... Stuff you, you should have them that time of the year, like it's all changed now. And I can't think what uh, sort of boat doggies were, like an open open deck one. And we followed all the regulations was it that year in that club. No, I don't actually wear a life jacket all the time, although I carry them. I know yeah. you should do really, but uh, it said in in the press cuttings that you weren't actually wearing life jackets. You weren't even carrying them. It said. Oh, I were definite. I had four in mine. A definite. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I know Dougie wasn't wearing one. Ted were because he 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 floated up. But he couldn't. I got him. Oh, I put mine on. As soon as I put my anchor in, put my jacket on straight away. I had four jackets, about ten flares in a, in a cartridge, mm-hmm. and then they had some bigger ones. So just moving back a little bit, yeah. you started off from the from the south shore, you started heading up towards Cleveleys yeah. to fish. What were the conditions actually like when you set off? It was flat. Absolutely flat. Absolutely flat. flat. When well, I opened it up, mine, I went straight straight there. I think 
Ted and Dougie stopped at Nurk Tower where I carried on. And like I said, there was, must have been three, other, three or four boats out from Cleveland's club. And you started fishing and the, the fishing was going oh, well? Oh, it was. It was very well. I'll admit that I had a good catch. But unfortunately, I didn't get them home. And you looked out to see and you could see that there was something just not well, quite Well, it, it right started out. to blow a little bit. You know, a little breeze started getting up. And then if you look over up to the horizon, you could see it black, like there was something happening. It started blowing up, white horses started coming. And I thought, oh, this is time to head back. Time I got my anchor up, uh, got engine going. It was like quite getting really rough. By the time I got to North Pier, it was just horrendous. I thought, then I thought we weren't going to make it. So you decided to pull your anchor up and make a run back down to South Shore? Yeah. What sort of distance are we talking there? <sighs> You're looking two or three, four mile higher. Yeah. What kind of distance off were you as well? Well, I won't say we're that far out. Probably half a mile. And the conditions were worsening all the time while you were travelling? Yeah, the weather were getting worse and worse, yeah. What kind of wind strength did it get up to? And I believe, I've read things in the paper. Ten. It said it got up to about between nine and ten it got yeah, to. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. And at what point did you decide it was going to be an emergency? Did you let some flares off? I, I did, yeah. Well, when I got near the tower, I won't get in at North Pier. I won't get anywhere. And I thought, well, I'm not going to make it here. It's too far. You know, water were coming in. The waves were coming over. And uh, I thought, well, just let them go. So I think it was a, a taxi man saw them. And the man on a the, on the push bike. And people on the pier saw them. Well, I was crying at the time, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know to, to beach it, jump in and swim for it. I didn't want to, because I just knew I was going to drown at the time. Yeah. Well, I've been in situations, nervous situations like that, where I thought the boat's been going to go, it's mm. a long, long time ago, and you get this, well, I got this horrible feeling of, of weakness, like yeah. I didn't have yeah. any energy to do anything. No. Like if I'd have fallen in the water, I couldn't have saved myself no. anyway. No. But in January, like this was freezing cold, you would have died of hypothermia. Oh, you would have done. You, you just drowned. Tired. The waves were just going over you. That's what I was frightened of. Just going into the water. I could swim, but not in that. No. You know, and then when I saw people on promenade and on pier, oh, this is it. I'm definitely going to go here. It was a good little boat, but it wasn't. Good and big enough for the conditions I were in, but touch wood, it, it, it saved my life that little boat. Yeah. You know? If you had a swamp for it though, I mean, you, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have made it anymore, oh, no. I think, with the cold and that. But you would have been dashed against the wall. Well, How this would is you what got out? Well, you wouldn't have got out, would you? Because uh, I, I were up at the other side of Central Pier, so water was up at the beach. That's why I was going to beach it at uh, the tower. Mm-hmm. But I thought with them big waves, and I, if I swung it round, I might have gone over the boat. You We're know. taking plenty of water. Yeah. Oh, I, I'll be honest with you. I was, it looked up to there. I mean, it's going to sound funny this, but it wasn't at the time. But fish were swimming around the bottom of the boat. They, they were like, you know, some good cod. Had. Mm. Yeah. They were swimming out on it. They were. They were swimming at the bottom of the boat because I just caught them and still alive. And what kind of size were the waves that were coming in? Oh. Well, one covered all the boat at one stage, went over the top of me. I thought that was going to knock me over. Because they were all coming over the side, and I was like trying to stay at boat, another bucket, trying to wash water over. That day, my youngest son, Nate, at Paul, were going to come out with me. 
I don't think the fear will come with me. I don't think both of us have survived because I would have been more concerned him than trying to stay aboard. So there's some reason he couldn't come. We weren't so well, I can't remember now, but he was going to come that day with me. And I'm touch wood now, I'm glad he didn't. And what was the actual sequence of events when the Coast Guard came out? Well, it came out when inflatable ones. Uh, he said, will you be all right for another few minutes? There's another one following me. But there's some lads have gone over at Squire's Gate. And I said, yeah, yeah, go and get them. It wasn't time they left me, the other one come behind me then. And he like, told me to leave my boat. So I threw anchor over. And then I jumped into their boat. And that's when they took me in then. You actually made it into the boat, did you? You didn't get end up in the water? I, well, half of me did. I was like on edge. Right. And then I fell in. And then they dragged me in. And then well, I, led, well, I sat in the boat and I had my knee on the petrol pipe and engine started cutting out on, on dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be thinking, here we go again. I thought, what's happening here? So the manager got me in and that's when all everything was going on. Dougie's boat was there and they got Ted in. Unfortunately, he died later in hospital. What was the feeling like when you actually got in the lifeboat? The feeling of relief? Oh, it was. Because I, I said to her, be honest with me now, how long will have lasted? I said, half an hour at most. That's if you hadn't been washed against war. I'll be, I'll be fry, I'll, well, I was crying, I was, I was, this is it, my day's gone now, you know, I'm no chance in this. It wasn't a big boat, like, you know, you sell what a Dijon, it's only small. Yeah, yeah. But it was. It, it kept its kept its strength, you know, it, it kept afloat. And I believe afterwards the press gave you a bit of a hard time as well. I've seen all the headlines of the, uh, the sea of death, the man who cheated death, suicide sailors. Yeah. And what was all that about? Well, I just thought we'd done something silly, really. We shouldn't have gone out because of weather and all that lot. And they were outside here. And, uh, well, I, I, just, I told them, I said, we've got everything right. We, we run Coast Guard up. Morning, got the paper, watched the television. Uh, like I said, there's other boats out besides us, so they weren't just us. I said, we did everything right. And as soon as it blew up, well, we started sailing back then. But like you said yourself, you would have gone out that morning if you hadn't working. I definitely would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, so the for uh, did you get the forecast? Not that morning because no. I knew I was working. But yeah. the previous night I looked at it and I was thinking, right, yeah. this is it, I'm going to miss this. Yeah, yeah. And looking back on the events, what would your thoughts be on anglers that skimp on safety gear or don't wear life jackets or don't carry I safety gear? I think stupid. And what was the actual outcome of the incident overall, looking back in terms of the rescue itself, how it went, getting the other lads out or not getting the other lads out. Oh yeah, the I, th I think back. I think the, the, the coast guard did the, did the, the best because there was there was told by the, the senior lifeboat man not to go out. They only can go out on a certain uh, height, can't they? A seven or a, a, something like that. But they went out on a nine and a ten, and they said we're going because we can see it, lads, and we're going to go save them, and they were brilliant. I go and see them now and. I donate to them and that. And you got the boat back afterwards, I believe? Yeah, aye. The engine were blown off and all my tattle, found some of my fishing tattle at uh, Southport. Southport? Yeah. Come up at Southport, some rods, reel, and a little, I've still, I've often got a little box, about that big, a little red box. Used to have plasters in. 
Mm. And I used to put all my hooks and stuff in that and they found that at Southport. What happened to the other two boats? Were they lost? Well, there was only, there was only one other boat. Oh, there was two of them in the same boat, was Yeah, there were two lads, in Dougie and Ted, was in the same boat. They were, like, only 50 yards off uh, Squire's Gate. You know Squire's Gate, don't you? I do, yeah. Well, the, the slip and the wall, well, with tide coming in, it causes a swirl. Uh, yeah, right the, off the corner of the wall. Yeah, big swirl on waves. They said if they'd gone a bit further up towards Southport and come in that way, yeah. they might have survived. Well, they spun it round, with waves going all way, which way and other, it's knocked them over. And the thing, Dougie got knocked out, or he's, he has a, he had, used to have a long stick on his engine at the front. They think he's been at, steering that and that's hit him. Knocked him over. It's like I said, he didn't have a. Well, I, I was told he didn't have a life jacket on. I know Ted did. Was Ted the one that was that was got out of the water? But he died later. Yeah, hypothermia. Uh, he died of a heart attack. I think he died later for six weeks. I think when they found Dougie, found him up at Cleveland's way. I think. So when I go to Blackpool, I always think about it. I always go into Coast Guard, see lads, you know. Oh, remember me. So there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. Knowing what we should do in terms of personal safety and actually doing something about it are for most of us two completely different things. Hopefully then, hearing what it's like to be right there in the thick of it might make us think twice about taking chances and of not investing in ourselves. Always remember, there are no pockets in shrouds. My thanks then to Mick Riley for reliving this tragedy with us in the hope that we might all learn something positive from it. Mm -hmm.